0: All right. Uh, (laughs) We haven't talked about two mold in a while, so I'm pretty stoked on this. Uh, It's been... Yeah, man. Didn't talk about the demo that came out or anything like that, You know, at least interview form. So, I don't know. I mean, uh, this is going to be... I don't know. When are we going to put this out? When is this interview going to come out? Uh, Anytime
1: after the (laughs) 15th is fine.
0: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, people will have heard it a little bit then. So, there's some context there.
2: They'll have a solid day with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. enough time. That's all they need. So <laughs> all right.
0: Uh before like before just jumping straight into the album then. Um being that it's been a while and no one's really heard from Two Mold, you know, not much at least, what's been going on? I mean, you guys did the three albums year after year after year. That three out uh, three year three album run, which is pretty incredible. I mean, it seems pretty obvious and I know we talked about it before, but it was like time for a little bit of a break, a little breather room there. But, uh, what was it? It was four years since, uh, anything was put out, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What was the reason Aputure- for that?
3: Well,
1: I guess Aperture was released like a year ago, right?
3: That's right. Yeah. Aputure. It was in the summer. La- it was in the summer last year. So it was like three
0: years of nothing. Okay. So it's not really not that much. <laughs> it's pretty
3: normal. No, it's not. I mean,
2: for us, it was a lot right <laughs> for sure
0: right did you what was the reason i mean obviously there was some other stuff going on you guys did some other projects but just kind of what was going on during that time we had a pandemic but
3: i think we had had a productive 2019 um the last string of shows that we did was between like august and um september we did a pretty or i guess it was july to september we had done like an america tour and then like a small west coast tour and then did a european tour and I think we were all just burnt out. i think I don't think we expected to do anything like that pretty much ever. so by the time like the end of September rolled around, we were like, this is not I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what we should do this, is, this sounds a lot
4: yeah in
2: in, in January twenty nineteen when like we were still talking about like planetary coming out it's like, yeah, it's mm-hmm. gonna come out, we're gonna like we're gonna tour we're gonna like we're gonna go out for like two whole
4: weeks and fucking awesome!
2: and then all these, these things just kept popping up and like we all have jobs and shit so in like december i still remember it, after the last uh gig we played the hospital hospital fest in new york city max and i and his partner drove back to toronto and we went to ihop and man, mm. it wasn't that I didn't enjoy the stuff we did, but I was so relieved that the year was <laughs> over and I was like, Nobody <laughs> died, <laughs> none of us like lost any limbs. Like, but like I I sound like I'm joking, but I'm I'm kinda almost not, where it's like we took on so much that we hadn't expected for like a full time band that might not be as crazy. But you know, you got in the meat grinder a bit. So when we got to the end of the year and it's like, oh you know, we did all this cool stuff we avoided tragedy, you know, um, it was cool, but it was definitely like, you know, it was a big relief to get to the end of the year and be, and as a Canadian, we don't want to tour, um, in like the winter here or anywhere, anywhere where it snows. Cause like, I don't want to get in a, you know, vehicle accident or whatever. Those are really, Mm -hmm. you know, those happen a lot in the winter. So, um, it was like, Oh cool. We're going to chill for a bit. And then, yeah, then the pandemic happened. So, it was like wrench, perfect like timing. Was, yeah, I guess yeah, so. Actually. Was like plan <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: nothing, and then this, <laughs> and the world shuts down. You have no commitments, and like you know, twenty twenty one. We're like, remember this thing you agreed
2: to a year mm-hmm. ago? It's mm-hmm. time yeah. to do it. Like mm-hmm. you no, know. we we did. Yeah, the only thing we had planned was Migration Fest, and it didn't happen. Yeah, mm. so yeah was is, pro- I don't that was know. Pro- that was promptly canceled. Is yeah. that like is it like a never happening now? It's probably happening like next weekend. Like should probably get rid of it. <laughs> we didn't even check and in look into it. I think we all we all did like as a, as an aside though, and it's been like beaten to death talking about COVID. But like we had such a busy 2019 where everything fell into place, and you know lots of really cool shows that were great, and getting up early and traveling, and lots of moving parts or whatever. So like we had nothing planned for 2020, but we definitely felt for all the bands that had like a ton of plans that just evaporated or bands that were on tour and they had to cancel the tour halfway through. Like if that had happened to us in 2019, like we would have been heartbroken, you know, it's oh, yeah. like, well, we like, we got lucky in that way. The timing was good for us, but it, that really sucked for like so many bands that put so much work into music. And then subsequently touring. I even
1: remember, cause like we weren't doing anything, but at that point I was playing bass for outer heaven and we were supposed to go on a tour with, one other band, and then I think Demolich was like the headlining band, oh, and, yeah. I, and that was going to be like in May or something, like around MDF. And then I remember, <laughs> like, you know, everything happens, and then it's like, oh well, we'll see next week if we have to cancel. Well, oh, we'll see if next is like, dude, just like call
4: it. <laughs> you the 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 yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. yeah. Um, okay, so then, what made you guys figure it was time to put that demo out?
3: Well, uh. go ahead, Max. I think, I think once we had like that year off, I think we were all really like rearing a go by the time we like were comfortable jamming again. And we had such like a wealth of material to work with that it was kind of like a no brainer. We thought, oh, we could just drop like a fucking LP or, you know, or, or, or I, some something out of the blue. But we've always, always, always done tape LP. Mm-hmm. Tape lp tape lp it's like it's a tried and tr- tested <laughs> like true and honest way to do this it's always the best <laughs> and i'm like why don't we just do it the same way and i think we were kind of hesitant but we like, we were like why not there's there's really nothing holding us back um except for uh, mail order yeah, yeah it's not fun <laughs>
2: That's uh, yeah, but we managed to power man. through it yeah that sucked
3: that's like that um, fucking. Yeah. What's that DJ Calabine where it's like suffering suffering from success, but they're just like, "Yo, so too many fucking single order tapes, get ready for your weekends to be ruined for like weeks."
2: Yeah. And then we're getting we're getting emails that are like, "Hi, this is you know blank in Hungary. I ordered the tape, uh, the tape has been sent back. Please repost yeah. it when you receive it. It's like, dude, it's destroyed." please send, uh, like four tapes
3: enclosed to Lithuanian
2: fishing village. Yeah. Please include tracking. Yeah. You know, sorry, that'll be $140. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess our pattern has been DIY DDI. Do it yourself. Dave, Dave does it. That's it? So tape, LP, tape, LP, but it is nice for us to stay in the DIY. I think Max records the tapes. They've oh, increasingly yeah. gotten better with quality. Um, the, the like the recording quality the recording quality on aperture is amazing and, and that yeah. was no odd, that's no slight on that's no slight on cerulean or even the the very first two tapes like mm-hmm. cryptic and then the demo and uh, the molting but um it's nice to be still have like a you know hey you know max like i ordered a bunch of tapes so let's sit around and put them together like it's fun you know and we yeah. all sort of mm-hmm. came from that so it's cool And just, you know, go send it directly to people. And the nice thing with this one is the thing that I'm really stoked on is that every other tape was two songs from the LP and then Mm -hmm. the LP. So you had heard uh, 29% of the record from the tape, like different versions, mind you, but still, whereas this was like, you know, people will probably expect at least one of those songs, if not both of the, you know, the guitar, drums, bass songs on, on the LP and when they're not there it's like cool here's 42 minutes of brand new music like that's really exciting
0: I was really surprised by that I actually went back today because I was like I-, I thought that I was like wait that those songs weren't on the LP then I was like well, I don't want to sound like an idiot during this interview I better make sure that they weren't like change the name or something like that but I was like no no these are these are all fresh songs so that well, I-, I, th- I agree I thought that was pretty cool
3: well, you're in luck, too, because I think when the LP comes out, I'm not sure whether or not it'll happen, like, soon thereafter or, like, at the same time, but 20 Bucksman is repressing the demo as, like, a single-sided 12-inch to come out basically alongside the, the LP. So it'll be a not only one 2 mold record, but two mold records <laughs> in, like, the span of a week. So people can't complain when they have to wait six years for the next one. <laughs> well, it,
1: it was funny because you mentioned Pace like, the... This one has, like, no songs from the LP on the tape. I remember after we put out that tape, we were at some show, and a kid came out to me, and he's like, I love the new mold tape. I was like, oh, thanks. He's like, are you going to make an LP? And I just said, yes. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> and he's like, are either of the songs from the tape going to be on it? And I just looked him in the eye and was like, no. No. <laughs> and he looked, he was
2: pumped. And then
1: I was like, oh, yeah,
2: okay, it's great. And <laughs> and he I think I keep telling people we're re-recording Primordial. You have an idea? I'm like, yeah, we're re-recording the first record and just making it. You know, it just sounds a little. <laughs> it's a little faster. It's like five percent faster.
1: I think it was also like the the new tape just kind of helps, like softball, like the like trio formation recording and like how the songs sound and stuff. Because you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's a bit of a departure. Not to mention like. The, the two songs, like, I love those two songs on the Aperture tape, but they wouldn't, they don't fit on the record. Mm. Like, you can't have um, Prestige of Rebirth and the closing track on the new LP because they're both mm-hmm. closing tracks. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So mm-hmm. that was good. We, like, found a home for both. And that's nice. I think anyway. we kind
3: of thought of them, too, as being played in succession as well. So when we had it sequenced with, like, a relatively short intro and then just, like, really extremely like condensed track, open up the tape and then basically just expand on an opener. So it's just really gone in a flash.
4: Yeah. That's what I
3: kind of think of our tapes as being a, a, what my favorite part of them at least is, They're never more than like 50 minutes. It's like really a piece of promo material rather than like a, a demo, I guess like it's, it's executed in that way. Like I think it in, the grand scheme of things, like I looked at those songs as being like if we were to have played live at that point, those would have been like the first two or three songs that we would play at a set, you know, like intro, like right out of the gate, banger, and then into something kind of like mellow with an ending like that, and then kind of carry on to the rest, you <laughs> know, in theory. That was, but that was like, you know, yeah, two yeah. ago,
2: <laughs> yeah. So. I think, I think the thing, the, the stepping stone element of the uh tape to the new record is that even though the tape and the new record are pretty different from each other, the thing they have in common is that the swampier parts from manor and planetary are kind of gone. Mm -hmm. So, and we, you know, we've tuned up, which gives you a certain degree of like more clarity when it comes to the notes. So in turn, we can play the songs really fast. And it's not just a bunch of mud, you know, Um, some of the faster parts on manor planetary are a bit muddier because it's so heavy now with us tune up a bit higher it's more of like uh yeah there's more clarity to it but those chuggier parts on the last two records aren't there anymore yeah or if they are they they're there they're just clean now now yeah. they're just it's te- the tempo's clean there, but the Clean swamp clean. <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah clean chug. we're gonna clean Sorry. the swamp yeah we're, we're gonna clean, clean the swamp, the swamp. <laughs> drain the swamp oh my god
0: uh, next t-shirt yeah, for, sure. for sure
4: yeah <laughs>
0: Uh, that's a good point about the clarity i didn't know you guys tuned up so that makes a lot of sense because i remember listening to the demo and just being like blown away at the technicality and being able to hear it so well and uh yeah that makes a lot of sense if you were tuned down maybe you would have lost a little bit of that but
2: yeah the strings typically get a bit looser and when you hit them they can you know kind of bounce around a bit more so derek and i played so much guitar since the pandemic started so it was fun to like push ourselves for sure. Like this, Oh yeah. we remember learning parts of the LP and being like, Oh man, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this. And then <laughs> recording and being like, Damn, that was easy, but there's always another part that's hard. So you just have to, oh. it. you know, you get out what you put in for sure.
1: Yeah, I think we both showed up. Like when we when we recorded the record, I think you like looked at me and were like, "I can't play this riff," and I was like, "Oh, I can't play this one." It's like it's it's
2: fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got there. We we'll got cover there. for each other. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask about that. I mean, the, with that time off, like, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I know, I don't know about the rest of you guys. I mean, I know talking to Derek, like, picked up bass, and learned that. You were getting more into what the acoustic type stuff. So learned a lot with that kind of stuff. Pace, and I'm sure you probably were. Playing a lot more. Like, did that? I mean, you kind of answered the question there, but just touching on the new album quickly, it's fucking wild and it's a lot different than before. Technically speaking, playing wise, there's so much more to it. How much did that play into it? Like, if you would have wrote, if you would have tried to write this album in 2020, like, how much different would it have sounded to what you put out? You're putting it
2: like It'd be like 15% slower. Yeah. And the, yeah. Transition, and the transitions wouldn't be super tight. But, that, i think that's another thing too is like um on manner and planetary it's like part, part 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 four times four times four times four times so a lot of the times it's like end on the sixth fret the next phrase starts the first fret of the a string boom we're there to start over and it, you know on this record there was a lot more effort on my part to be like i want to get from point a to point b really clean so it feels really cohesive so a lot of the times the parts aren't necessarily hard but getting somewhere in the right you know getting to the right spot to make sure things are like watertight was the harder part and uh but it worked like i mean you know, i think it sounds sounds not that i'm like not that i have problems with the other songs but you know you play them and you just sort of i don't know i like it to feel like one big unit instead of like a bunch of parts you know especially when you're relearning a song and you're like how does this go and then it's just like all right, I know all 11... Still, don't, still don't
1: know play. how to play the songs. It's fine.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll just look at Kevin. <laughs> What's Kevin doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, yeah, it had, a, it, it, had, it had a ton to do with it, for sure. Because then we wanted to push ourselves. We wanted to play parts that were too hard. And sometimes Derek would show me a part, and then I would figure it out. He'd be playing it in a way that I find weird, and then I would find a different spot on the fretboard. And he'd be like, that's weird. Yeah, but it's what, what worked <laughs> for both of us. But I'm going to move that up five frets and start on a different string. Same notes, but yeah, we just played to our strengths or whatever. And I think that gives the records or the guitars uh, their own voices, kind of too.
1: Right. Yeah, I think think the I think the, the the personality of everybody's playing really comes through on this record. And maybe that's because just the benefit of getting to spend more time just playing the songs with each other and whatnot. You know what I mean? And they just were sort of so they just feel so much more dialed than everything else even though everything else sounds great this just feels way more i don't know something
2: sure and with the increased tech you can't be like uh you can't just show up and just do it it's like i practice those songs every day i had a guitar at work to do it uh mm-hmm. the album's like 42 minutes and my lunch breaks 45 minutes and i just played it and you know it it really paid off because when it came time to actually playing it, it was like all right sick this sounds super tight no issues. First time we recorded a record off the floor together as opposed yeah. to just track. And that track. was
1: fun. That was fun. I think that, I think that helps too.
2: Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was definitely different. Um, it's cool to like watch Max playing and I can like literally watch the, the
1: you know, or, the
2: stick hit the hi hat or the snare drum and be, and you can feel full. It's totally different. You feel fully locked in. Especially so before when you, you guys
0: were doing each part separate,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, and then actually, this time uh, we were
0: all there.
1: Me, me and Max would track off the floor together Okay. and kind of, like, lay the foundation, and then we would do next guitars and then bass and then leads vocals and stuff. Okay. But this time we were sort of like, wow, well, we could all just do it together.
0: So we did. Yeah. Was it? Is that any harder doing it like that? Yeah. Like yes. if someone fucks up, you could just get gotta- it. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, there's sure. ways to there's ways sure. to fix little little mistakes but yeah it's totally tough um, it's, I also it's really hard t- for oh sorry sorry keep, uh, keep going i was just gonna say it's hard to uh i find it hard to play accurately when i can't hear myself like so i'm at a like even when you have your headphones mixed or whatever it's like because if i'm just playing and i can't hear it i'm like am i just fucking up are these all the wrong notes <laughs> like i need to hear it um so yeah, it was tough. Like a lot of focus is required for sure. But you get a different result and there's you know, it's very uh elastic. Um so yeah, anyway, go ahead, Max. Sorry.
3: No, I I had sort of a similar uh similar sentiment where we've been playing these songs like to death in our rehearsal space, which is such a claustrophobic spot and you really don't hear the nuance at least of your guys' is guitar playing, like you can hear me more clearly, but that's just because, you know, it's an acoustic instrument. You're sitting right there in front of me. But once we get in that, once we're in the space and I have you in my left ear, Derek in my right ear, it's like night and day. It feels like I'm playing different songs completely. It sounds better, but it's like a little bit of a like demurring. It's, it's kind of scary because I'm like, oh, now I can hear everything clearly. There were parts where I was kind of like overcompensating with you know, my speed, or maybe with intensity, and then I find that I really lack that power at the end of the the song. Where, like, when we're doing things off the floor, it's 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 relatively easy to punch in guitar, and you can do it with drums, but you really are trying to capture, like, a full take. Like, I think of, you know, all the Defeated Sanity records are, like, one take off floor. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. That's crazy. It's fucking crazy. It's awesome because then when you see it live, it's it's the exact same, except he's kind of he's a little bit more loose with some fills and some some little nuanced parts. But um it's it's tough. But I think after having done that, now when we play the songs, I'm a lot more confident. A lot more confident. And I think it also kind of trained me to like sort of ration my energy for like more important parts of the song and also figure out places where I can rest vocals and, and have intense vocals, that kind of thing, where because every time we've basically done every every record, <laughs> the vocals are never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever considered until we are there on the day that I need to record vocals. <laughs> and I have a big sheet of paper and I'm like,
4: hmm,
2: how is this whole album gonna every go? Time I, every time every time I every time I tell anyone that they're like, what? <laughs> the like, only that yeah, max, yeah. max practices with vocals, right? get them place so I'm like, no, he wait till the songs die. He's got a bunch of he's got a bunch of paragraphs on a piece of paper, and he's yeah. just there like metering it out with a pencil. It's like, oh, wow, the um, wild.
3: The <laughs> upside of us doing the tapes too is that the two songs would be recorded for the LP. So at least I had two songs that I knew <laughs> for, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And we had played live, so I knew what I was going to do for them, but this one was like totally... I was a little bit more prepared for this one. I had arranged things a little bit better, and I had written the lyrics with the each song in mind, but normally it's just like I write everything in one long fucking paragraph, fucking Scram style, just like periods and and, 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 and lots of punctuation that doesn't make any fucking sense. And then I just cross my fingers and hope that I wrote enough of the song, because then, then I'm going to start repeating stuff. <laughs>
2: Yeah, when we were when we were sp- uh, parsing it out there, I was like, "Okay, there's 70 seconds left in the song. You've got 14 <laughs> words. I think this is gonna be good." <laughs>
0: that is wild. That's wild. Uh, it works, I guess. <laughs> I
3: don't plan on stopping to do that. Stop <laughs> doing that ever. Why? Yeah. Why, <laughs> you why stop? Yeah. Yeah. If it ain't if broke, broke okay, so, yeah. You know. Yeah. What is the point? It's it's fun, but also like, I think because we had a little bit more time to sit on this record and it's a lot more dynamic, when we did get to the stage where vocals needed to be done, I think we were all a little bit more invested in in cadence and where they landed, so they didn't obstruct solos, you know, rests and stuff like that. There's a lot more, there was a lot more room to play around with them versus, you know, our previous, like, more cavernous um, offerings were kind of just, like, very metered, Monosyllabic, kind of just like grunts. Not, <laughs> not, not that that's bad, but it wasn't anything crazy. I didn't think my vocals were ever that good. I don't think they're that great in the first place, but I think they're better now. Oh, stop! Is there a band yet?
2: Is there a band yet called Cavernous Offerings? <laughs>
3: uh, I'm, I'm, I've got my notebook. It's in there. Max, yeah. make that
2: bandcamp right, right now. Yeah. It's done. It's done. I have the Gmail. I have the email yeah. we, it's done. We, we, that's where all our swampy parts can go. <laughs> that we got <laughs> we're a swampy part. Our band. cavernous offering. Offerings. That's our PO box name. Yeah. The most. Cavernous. We're gonna offer. have we're, we're gonna have a, a a three and a half minute demo and eleven shirt designs available. available. <laughs> <laughs> a
3: shirt for every riff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no the the,
1: um, vo- the the vocals on this one are so good but you and you and payson were really good at like w- workshopping all the like phrasing and stuff like because like that stuff is so like over my head
3: i you i got start- i i don't think i ever really understood it until this one? time like i don't think i got it there were a couple there were a couple times when the other records where i was like damn that was a good idea but most of them i was like yeah that's where vocals go <laughs> or, okay i think that's why I, I don't i don't know i'm so unsure of it but i think this one was really was really fun to mess around with just because i knew that i really enjoyed several parts of this record in terms of like the drum parts that i managed to kind of come up with so i was really stoked to kind of place my vocals around them so they were a little bit more challenging something to really kind of freshen it up and now playing them finally playing them with the band doing vocals i'm like
2: fuck this is awesome i wouldn't have done it any other way <laughs> so that's cool yeah i, I love the simple math part of it when we'd listen to the riff and be like okay there's 16 spaces and you got this many syllables and that was really mm-hmm. fun and then mm-hmm. i just kept thinking about bury your dead and hate
4: breathe <laughs> yeah exactly Yeah, <laughs> so, so many are, words so many they, words you
2: know, that's intelligent music it is. No,
0: it is. <laughs> How was it? Uh, this uh, do I mean? This album's got a lot more soft, pretty parts. Changes for you guys. How was it like throwing vocals over that? Because I mean, that's not something you guys were doing in the past.
3: Um, it was. It was cool. It was cool. Like, uh, yeah, it was, it was mostly very just cool. awesome. We Once we, we kind of, again, we softballed it on Prestige of Rebirth when I was like, yeah. once we had that open part, I'm like, I cannot fucking believe we finally get to do this because we had been talking about this for a while. We all love that kind of very classic, like, clean part, brutal vocals and mm-hmm. every sort of, like, it's a really classic death metal, like, trope. That's kind of a negative word for it, but it really is, like, classic, you know? Um. And it, I don't know, I think, I think it was relatively easy. I think we knew that we, wanted to, that we wanted to do that. And we
2: were just kind of stoked. I don't, I don't know how to really... Cool. It didn't
4: feel like anything <laughs> weird. It, it, was,
2: no. it, was, oh, go, go it was cool. It was cool, but we softballed it before that. We mm-hmm. did, uh, when we recorded Beg for Life, Oh yeah, the first track on Planetary, when we went into doing the vocals there, there were no vocals over Derek, the classical guitar, and the drums. And then it was just on a whim, we were like, hey, put some vocals here. And then, like, syllable one, we were like, holy fuck, (laughs) this is amazing. So, you know, we knew it would work, and it works great on Prestige. And Prestige is very, um, like, you can tell it's the end of a song. It's not building to anything. It's kind of like a really uh, soft, uh, extinguishing sort of moment that just kind of drags on um so the vocals over that are very like distant and kind of like uh uh feels a bit like a eulogy or something but on here it was more fun to be like okay we got these it's chorus guitar tons of reverb like we're not we're not tiptoeing around it anymore this is straight up clean up tempo whatever And um, yeah that sounds fucking awesome we all knew it would sound awesome though for sure um you can't just have the clean parts and then just nothing over it yeah. And yeah. people get sick of me and Derek just ripping solos
4: all the time. So the <laughs> no. No.
1: no, no, it was, it's like, it's funny. Cause when we went to record, I, I, you know, I hadn't listened to Aperture in so long that I even forgot we had vocals on the clean part there. So when we were recording vocals and I didn't, I didn't even think I knew if you were going to do them or not, but then like over the song, the part in the third song, I was just, it was like fucking so sick.
4: <laughs> it
1: was just like, a like a good moment yeah it was Mm -hmm. great (laughs) that's easily my
3: favorite moment on the record for sure
1: that's everybody's favorite song apparently
3: yeah i think it's i think it is that's funny when we when we first like played it the the three of us i was like this is if if we just released a single and called it a record (laughs) i'd be like got it dave i hope you put it as a flexi that's our new flexi that's it you know it's a fucking lathe that's it it's a mono just that's it that's this is this is as good as a fucking guess. so eat it up um,
4: you know?
0: <laughs> yeah well that song is so sick and when i when you fir- when i first listened to this album i it was all just the one track mm-hmm. so i didn't really know when was things were starting or ending which was cool actually um but when i got to this song because it starts with that like mellow and the bass and all that it's just like w- i had a huge grin because it was just like you know so different so mm-hmm. cool and then yeah like those parts where like the the heavy vocals over the clean parts it's such a dynamic song that mm-hmm. definitely has been m- mostly my favorite track too <laughs> i go <laughs> back and forth there's that one what's that will of whispers mm-hmm. yeah then the next one uh fate's tangled thread yeah that one uh kind of gets me every time those that's like a
3: the song too yeah, like, uh- <laughs> the last <laughs> sequence of that of that tune is awesome. It's, we, yes. see, I think we thought of that one as being not th- not weak, but we were I, I think we were really stoked on, you know, song two, song five, like um, like they were really, really intense. And four, I think we were just like so concerned with Will of Whispers mm-hmm. and like stuff like Flesh's Armor that we kind of forgot about four. And then when we finally did it for, was like the dark horse where I'm like, I think this Dude, is my well, favorite song. What happened, yeah.
1: what happened was, is we'd be working on the songs and we'd get a, we'd get a few kind of like laid out and done. And Max would be like, "How there's like, what's song 10? And I would be like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't like how it ends. I, like I don't want to start it yet. So I really kept trying to push it off till I could rewrite the ending, which is basically, um, we have this this kind of slower passage where Payson's doing this wah-wah solo and it goes into this like evil castlevania sounding like guitar riff. Yeah. And like from that point to the end of the song was like the rewrite of the ending. And I was like when I hit that I was like oh my god this is going to be the sickest song and it is. if you hear hear that song and you don't want to run through like a brick wall with a smile on your face like you're not living life properly Mm.
2: like it's Mm. such a it's such a sick tune anyways (laughs) that's just it It definitely tells the most like uh complex story of all the songs like it really like there's a few songs that go lots of places but that one is truly like um you know, in like a cartoon when a cartoon shoots shoots, like a bullet that bounces around the room and breaks everything. <laughs> like it's kind of like that. Like there's, there's a lot, of, a lot going on there. Uh, that I think songs four and six were the two that we were trying to like, sort of find the voice of those songs. Mm. I think we had everything else pretty figured out. And up until maybe a few weeks before we recorded the record, I feel like those were the ones where it's like, well, yeah, we know these songs, but actually recording them, it's like, and injecting them with all the personality. Um, <sighs> you know and it's funny cuz both 4 and 6 were Derek we're both doing pretty wild guitar stuff too so yeah. it's almost like it's almost like we looked at them more like the other songs were more set in stone i think those were more like blank canvases especially mm. 4 where i was like okay fuck it like wah pedal <laughs> okay fuck it like tremolo and whatever like it's it's cool i want people i want people to hear parts and be like you know i have to hear i gotta hear that again what the fuck was that um so it's fun to pepper songs like that but when you're done it's like you have this really personality rich kind of like wild ride Um so uh, yeah i feel similar about six i I love six especially the ending Mm -hmm. of six i think it's super cool um and it goes into the last song on the record which is like probably like my favorite i suppose so um but yeah they all flow the track listing wouldn't work in any other order i don't think either no it's
1: And well, six is what I like about six so much is servant of possibility. Is that like the first couple minutes are pretty like, that just sounds like pretty, uh, standard fare, like something you'd hear off symbolic. Sure. But then it takes this real turn where we're doing that single note thing against each other. And then I hit the harmonizer and then the song really (laughs) stretches out and you have your spot and it's way more like, I don't know, just that and four, like four and six. feel like the most like exploratory and cerebral to me even though seven's the longest and it goes out there but just like from like riff to riff sort of progression because like four or like the closing track I mean we just kind of dwell on like a couple ideas for a while right it's like sure it's a a different kind of stretching out so to speak
3: the final track is also definitely like a very sort of industry standard of extreme records where it's like the last tune is the long one where it's it cools off for a long period of time and then builds back up. It's it's, it's like a, a really like classic way to, to end a record. But I, I definitely agree with the whole cerebral aspect of four and six, whether they're really all over the place, you know, and there's just a lot of ideas that we bounce back and forth in quick succession. So it's fun. I, I'm really excited to eventually play, you know, six and one and two and, and the last song mm-hmm. live eventually. I think it will be <laughs> crazier. we we'll are doing live.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah it, we're, it's we're, fun to, it's fun to take risks on them too because it's uh you know it, it's different and it's like we we love the songs and we hope people that like the band enjoy the record but like you know it's nice that whether people like it or not um you know we're doing something different because it is you know sometimes it's as you feel a little boxed in so it's cool to just be like fuck it let's do this like there's no nothing stopping us like we like it it sounds cool um So, yeah, those are my favorite parts on the record. All the parts where you're just kind of like, what? Like, I love them. Yeah, they're, they're they're really neat. I'm glad there's a bunch of them
0: on there. So that's what I was gonna say. Like, and like my initial reaction, it was just like it was, the first two were just like awesome, just kind of like ha- hard hitting, you know, great opener tracks. And then, like I said, I heard that third track, not knowing it was the third track at first, but just like once that hit, then I had that smile, like, oh, they're they're really like changing this up and they're going different places, and I just absolutely love that. And then I remember like kind of going through the other two, they didn't hit right away. And then obviously the last track, that's an easy one to just like really hit. But then as I've like soaked it in, like I said, I mean, four is just like the one that really, it's so cool because it's in the middle and it feels like, you know, you kind of, you got that first track where it gets a little weird. I'm sorry, the third track where you start to open up and explore things a little bit differently. And then you get that fate single thread where it's just like, like you said, it's so it's so weird. It gets complex, and I feel like it's cool because it's in the middle. So it's right at that time where sometimes an album can start kind of mm-hmm. getting get the a little same. Bit, yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't. I mean, that's the worst thing, <clears throat> right? If that album yeah. just kind of gets a little samey. But it's the perfect time because it's like it's not that that track really just goes out you know all over the place i mean you go from the, the weird stuff the melodic stuff the yeah fucking,
2: right yeah. right out of the gate derek was like very early on i remember derek was like this should be the closer to side a because then you know you have the in the traditional record listing way you kind of have two closers right
4: yeah. um mm.
2: you know you listed there's so many great records we love that you get to the end of side a and it's got this kind of like slight like finality to it so you know that doesn't work as the opener of side b it doesn't work as the second song of side a but as a that is your needle lifts up it's like damn that was awesome then you flip the record over and, and damn your ass is kicked with another total rager like so the track list is imperative for making like the actual album flow so yeah that landed exactly where we're supposed to land so i think that's yeah. one another reason we we're so stoked it's a great on. point it's it's yeah, also, also funny
1: it's also funny to end a side of of a death
2: metal record on a major chord (laughs) that's all yeah i think i think too overall something we didn't mention yet and i don't i'm not trying to be like uh negative or anything but um i think there was all a bit of a subconscious response from us to try and avoid the more like old school death metal tag like um i'm not like super anti old school death metal but it's become kind of the thing like all this it's caveman or it's so oh it's like you know crawling through tar or whatever and it was kind of fun to be like let's just flip that on its head and just yeah the songs are gonna be super fucking fast and crazy and it's not you know it doesn't sound like the faceless or defeated sanity it's not that tech but our influence are there that you can hear cynic and death like as clear as day but it's still mold, like you can tell those are mold riffs if you listen to primordial and this they sound similar and those records are like you know five years apart or seven years apart or whatever uh but yeah i think that there was a bit of like an effort where it's like okay well we did this thing already the the more cavernous sound and it's more it's fun to just kind of bring shed some light on it i guess make it a little less uh because it still shreds like it's that's what i love about the speed i don't think it's wimpy but it doesn't uh, drag its knuckles per se anymore.
1: No, and it's and it's like forty two minutes of just like music. You know what I mean? Like there just, is like, forty two minutes of music on it. We <laughs> didn't leave any like we really filled we filled the space up, you know what I mean? Like, sure, there's yeah, yeah. I don't I it just feels like every little moment there's like was was paid attention to, which is good.
2: Yeah. It's like four in a run.
1: <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, uh, Someone
0: proofread those lyrics. Uh, how did you come up with that uh, that Castlevania solo? That's such a sick solo.
2: Oh, thanks, man. I uh, I was messing around at home, and uh, I wanted to. Inco- Derek and I talked a lot about uh, modulation. We both get into effects a lot, you know. And Derek really loves his uh, flangers and phasers and i love chorus um he loves wawa now too i love wawa. Too. <laughs> i saw i saw life of agony like six days before we recorded this and that's when i was like yo max you think you can grab me this wawa pedal at your work like because you know you see the kirk hammett memes and jokes and you see him up there doing the wawa pedal for the entirety of the set and it's like yeah 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 i saw life of agony play river Runs thread and every solo had one i was like yo we're on the last song i'm not sick of it yet like Mm -hmm. this is badass like i gotta get some of this wah flavor so um yeah there's that wah solo and then after it was like well i still got a few bars and i got this weird idea so i messed with the tremolo and just got the speed right and put it up an octave and put some weird buzz like uh, kind of distortion on it and yeah it's a triple track i think on the lp so because it was kind of like on the other records we were more conscious about like let's do things that we can pull off live because we've you're drinking bubble tea. I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hell yeah! <laughs> on, the, on on the other LPs, it was like let's do things on in the studio that we can pull off live because we've all seen bands where we're like waiting for this part, like here comes that part, and then it just like falls flat or it just can't be replicated properly. So Derek and I were like, well, let's let's write things we can actually play live and on this record i was like yo fuck that like (laughs) the record lasts forever the shows are momentary uh i can do that part live though it just is got some tap dancing in it but um yeah it was it was cool just that was uh, I was like well this is a short little space and it's right before Derek launches into his giant entertainment tonight solo so uh it's like fucking it, man let's just see it is uh but yeah i appreciate that i think it came out really well i'm it's it's one of my favorite spots on the record because i think everyone that hears it is like what the hell is yeah that? Like, yeah so that was the goal
4: <laughs>
0: yeah it works great i love it i love it I just that yeah like i said that track completely um what about like uh so the whole theme of this thing, you know, I'm trying to look into that. I'm trying to like read the lyrics, and it's complex to my uh, stupid ass brain. Um, I'm, I'm pulling some themes from it. I mean, I feel like the title maybe lends to some lends some clarity, but I don't know. Uh, Max, do you want to give any kind of insight on it, or or, or what's going on with the themes at all?
3: Uh, there's definitely some some overarching themes. I kind of find it hard to, to like describe a lot of it. I think a lot of it was, was inspired just by like aesthetic works and sort of using those as touchstones and kind of just riffing on, um, on small little concepts for a while. What I was doing was like writing one lyric and then proceeding to the other and then like obscuring the previous lyrics there was a band that had done that before where they basically had written a tune by writing a line and then handing that line off to somebody else, and they would write a follow up and then so on and so on, kind of like Broken Telephone, where I was picking lines, like day by day, I would write one and then add to it. But I think at least like an overarching theme was definitely like rebirth. Um, what else? because we literally just talked about this stuff like at length and I've written an interview and then I can't like, <laughs> I start to reiterate it like verbally.
1: But my, like what my interpretation of the lyrics, like to me, I, I, it's a lot, a lot, a lot about like, to me, maybe it's just my own personal thing, perseverance. And just like, I don't know the will to overcome or achieve or something.
3: I, I think a lot of it had to do with maybe like what is. Maybe the overboard nature of the band where we were, making such great headway for a long time, just working and just enjoying the, our era of like productivity. But I think that was us like basically consuming ourselves until there would basically be nothing but like a speck left where this record would be a, an intentional kind of dismantling of the band where like the band as like a, as it's, as itself, its own sustained, entity would die and then would be reborn again and that's kind of the frenzied aspect of the last song where it's the full title of the record where the record is the enduring spirit and then the title track is the enduring spirit of calamity basically representing the frenzied nature of a lot of the prep moments of this record i don't want to say it's sort of a self-referential thing where it has to do a lot with the actual production of it but i think the spirit of what we were, of our, like, our time spent practicing is really seeped into the content of it. Um, a lot of it, too, had to do with stories about, um, like, escapism and um, denial and, like, finding oneself. Like, I thought a lot about um, a couple, like, uh, one of the big touchstones for the whole Album was this show, Horror Battler Dunvine, which is basically all about escapism. This is about a kid who's like kind of like a tortured soul and he's transported to like basically a mystical land where he has no, you know, no ties, no nothing, is given the chance to start fresh as like a kind of austere warrior and uh, kind of uses his time there and ends up like. Basically, being reborn at the end, and I thought about that a lot, and I thought about what the band represents for me as an escape and as a support system and I think that's one thing that was an overarching kind of theme um, more on the literal side, um, that's kind of tough i th- I watched a lot of a lot of TV and I read a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that really that really probably does not sound like it has anything to do with it at all. But I think a lot about rebirths and, and and uh like the death of self and subsequent rebirth of self
2: in like over over purpose. COVID when you over COVID when you were living in Collingwood, you were consuming like one and a half like classic pieces of science fiction literature a day. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like defended. yeah, you were super steeped in that stuff because you were going to those shops and getting all these crazy old paperbacks with cool covers, mm-hmm. and you were so into those. I feel like the record's very steeped in that influence. I think mm-hmm. lyrically, totally. the, the I think lyrically the, the all the words are. Uh, it's not that they're vague, but they're almost like kind of a Rorschach test for the reader because I've read the lyrics a million times now, um, and to me, uh, the record is lyrically i find it steers more towards themes of the acceptance of mortality um mm. understanding I was you are in going there to die with that yeah. um yeah the acceptance of mortality and all of the pain that comes with life like i think it is an optimistic and positive record in a lot of ways um and i think you know the same way i think yes life is full of pain and, and strife and difficulty but it is worth it but I think the record shines kind of a light on maybe those ideas along with, you know, the idea of like, this is life. It's finite. Um, your mind is something intangible, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's hard for me to pin down properly, but yeah, I, I, I say Rorschach test because, you know, um, over the record, I dealt with like a personal loss. So maybe that helped, you know, me read the lyrics Uh, in a different light or under a different filter so um yeah that's my two cents i don't know if that's completely off the mark or not but i think people will draw their own meanings from it which is i think a great thing
1: It's one of the big strengths of it yeah for sure
3: i think i think a lot of it too was um part of a lot of the stuff i at least read or, or or took in over that time was really very like at the core of a lot of these stories was like a coming of age sort of tale and I, I really like the uncertainty in that, but each character sort of eventually expressed a confidence in self that I thought was really endearing and um, and a non-commitment to defining oneself. That's why there, when we originally sort of started working on the record, I had um, a working title called Cycle Reincarnate Necessity, which was from Adrian Rich's uh, Diving Into the Wreck. And I really, really... Really enjoyed that line, and I thought about it a lot. And I, I don't remember exactly how I landed on the enduring spirit, but I think it was sort of like a a um, a riff on that. I don't. <laughs> I have a really hard time
2: um, describing why I, I, I like what I came up with. Because yeah, I, the, I believe I, the, ori- I think- the original the original title was "The Enduring Spirit," a Max Klebanoff joint. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It still is. It's on the matrix code of the LP. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true, true. Yeah. You know, but it's. I think it's. It's something that people can obviously draw their own conclusions from. I don't think it's really super obtuse. I think it's relatively easy to kind of pick up on, like atmosphere, in the writing. But um, no, no literal stuff. I've never been a very literal writer in all the songs that I've written for the records preceding this one. Um, they've always been kind of vague, for the most part, um, and just a lot of a lot of you know verbal kind of play and a lot of goofiness. And I think this one's a little bit playful like that too, but maybe not as a maybe a little bit more. Uh, I don't know. Encouraging. I wanted it to be not a positive record, but I wanted it to be a, uplifting in a way that people look look back on the lyrics or, or people read along with the lyrics and really enjoy them because. I feel like a lot of the stuff I pick up lately, I don't really read closely to the lyrics. Not that they say that they aren't good. I just don't. I haven't been really drawn to a lot of bands with lyrics um, that in that vein. So I really wanted to think of something that was refreshing for me from what I had written previously, and something that I, who had something for someone who had similar interests to us, myself, that they would also get something out of it. I would hope.
0: I like that. I like that. I think that's true. I think, uh, I think pacing, kind of nailed it too. Cause yeah, I feel like you can really draw your own conclusions, but I do like that. Like you can pick up on the big themes cause that's my favorite thing about albums. I don't always dissect every lyric, but I do like just being able to pull something from it and then you can kind of yeah add your own stuff to it. You know, I think that's a, a cool thing to have in an album.
3: Yeah, I, I think, I think so. I'm I'm trying to think of some examples that sort of have that stuff.
2: Um, this album certainly has a has a vibe through it where it's yeah. like i think it would people would if you someone hearing it for the first time it would be very likely they would uh guess that it's a concept album which maybe in a way it is i mean you do revisit a lot of the uh themes and ideas as the song goes on and they feel they progress they are in like a well it, to me it feels like a linear sort of order i guess we've never even talked about whether or not it could be a concept album concept album usually carries a lot of like uh negative connotation because of like overblown uh you know sci-fi and prog projects that are you know kind of goofy or whatever but um yeah i don't think the album is like seven songs that are completely disconnected from each other i think they flow really nicely and yeah i guess not a traditional concept album in that way but it's certainly written all from the same um it's all mine from the same vein i would say to me as the reader
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Th- another big thing too that I, I really I really liked, uh or really liked including at least in the lyrics was a lot of questions. I think I've used that. I think I've never really done that on previous tunes, and I, th- I did it a lot on these ones here. And I think a lot about, I thought a lot about how songs stru- like how songs were written on like kind of really classic screamo records, a lot of Neil Perry records, Joshua Fiffer Battle, and stuff. Where there's Punctuation really kind of adds a very like different meaning for tunes. So there's a lot of speculative questions. Um, I think that's just to convey some sort of uncertainty. I, th- I didn't want there to be really like unease on the album, but I wanted to. I wanted it to be kind of inquisitive, and that people could really draw their own conclusions from those questions.
2: Catalyst for catalyst for uh, um, introspection. Yeah. When the song's over, you yeah. know,
0: oops, sorry. But yeah, I
2: shook my screen.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah, no, that helps. Like I said, I, I was trying to pull some stuff from it and I felt like I had a little bit there, but that helps, so that's cool. Um, I was curious too about, we didn't really talk much about the bass, but the bass is a pretty big highlight on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, especially in some of those songs where like it kind of shines through even more, but even when it's not like a, a main part, like just the texture of it, it's just adding... A little more complexity just another thing to, to listen to where like those repeated listens i'm finding myself like oh there's a cool part right there um what was it like just i mean you did the fretless on this right yeah what was I it u- like I,
1: I used um i on that record i used uh, i didn't use flat wound strings uh as far as like inside baseball uh details go but i played fretless um how did it go well i i did work through each song ahead of time so we did this thing that was sick because max is a is a brilliant guy and can record all of our shit we did a rehearsal of the lp and that was awesome because then we could all take it home and hear our guitars clearly mm-hmm. like he miked up and we just like ran through the songs and it was so great but then it was also good for Adding like demo versions of solos that we could kind of listen back on and and if we liked it, it was like, okay, great So I was able to play bass along with that and that was good. That definitely gave me a footing It was fun to play man. It was a lot of fun. It's like a real different experience than playing on guitar I guess like I don't know maybe maybe I, I don't know if other people feel this way because like I don't ever really talk to anybody about playing bass that much but like I feel like it's much more of a, a, a physical act. Like with guitar, like you have this like piece of plastic, you're going like this a lot. Whereas like with, with, with playing bass with your fingers, like you're, you're really like working your, your forearms and your fingers. And i I feel like all this tension just rise in my like torso. And I find I have to like move around and stuff, but then I'm just like trying to like channel all this energy into hitting the strings as hard as possible. Cause sometimes you go see death metal bands and their bassist plays with their fingers and you can't hear them at all. Mm. And I'm like, we can't like, it, this has to have some kick to it. You know what I mean? Like you really have to go for it. Like you can't be like, you can't play that shit gingerly. So it was fun, but it was exhausting, but it was fun. It was hard. I have a drum and bass mix of the record actually. Mm. Uh, I don't want to listen to it though. <laughs> <laughs> I will hear all of my mistakes.
3: That's a hidden track on the CD.
4: Yeah,
3: <laughs> save that one for Burning Man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was cool, man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I was happy. I was. I was. I was pumped to do it. I was excited. It was a fun challenge. Working on that Outer Heaven record was definitely like a really great primer because um, they had they had some more, much more like angular riffs compared to their first record on the new one. Um, so even just doing that and getting comfortable with it was like good and then I think you've probably even like learning that like that record was yeah it just had a positive impact on on me even transferring to guitar um, but yeah that helped but it was cool I really
2: liked it I think uh, Arthur Arthur found a really great spot for it in the mix right away too um, frequency wise because you know you never know how the first mix is going to sound and the bass right off the get go he had slotted it in in the place where it's like, okay, you can hear what's going on. It's still clearly bass because sometimes fretless or any higher register bass playing can kind of lose a bit of the low end. The low end is still there, which is important. Um, you know, I'm talking about, you know, like tech death bands where they do a lot of high stuff. Mm. It's like, it's super cool, but it's like, there'll be 90 seconds of the song where it just sounds like three guitars instead of two guitars and a bass. So frequency wise. Yeah. It sits really nice. It pops out when it has to, Derek gave him a note or two where it's like, make sure you can hear this thing or whatever. So, and you know, it's a very dense record. So it's like you said, it's, that's a good observation. I'm glad that you said you're hearing different things when you listen to it, you know? Um, Yeah. With vocals, drums, two guitars and bass, that's five moving parts at all times. So I, I I hope people keep on stuff as they listen to it. So, you know, that's like, yeah, the bass turned out really well. I really like how it sits mm-hmm. on the record mm-hmm. um, right in between the two guitars because that was the first time uh, when Steve had played bass on Manor and Planetary, this, it was far more distorted tone. We were playing a lot lower, and Steve was kind of just like that like sort of locomotive, chuggy sort of sound. But that suited the sound a lot more back then in a way that it wouldn't have suited <clears throat> this record. Um, so that was completely new for us. And then with the guitars, you know, we were trying some different stuff too, like tone wise, just overall. So there was a few firsts. So it was kind of like we got the first mix. I was like, oh, I hope everything clicks. And It did. So
1: yeah, no, we had Good everything. Stuff. We had everything so well dialed. We were. And it was fun. It's always fun when you get to make a new record with like new gear and stuff, right? So we had like new guitars. Max had a new drum kit. I had that bass and stuff. And yeah, no, it, it was a. Uh, everything we we were so fortunate at where we record at boxcar sound with sean pearson that we get such good we've managed to capture everything so well you know what i mean like the drum sound the guitar sound just like the general room sound and um and it was i think it was funny because at some point i think even talking to arthur he, he he i think he was like this was such an easy job like hmm. to mix this record which is great right like I mean that's that's easy money, man. That's awesome. But like, <laughs> may, maybe some maybe he was like hoping for more of a challenge. I don't know. But like, we we are we're definitely like fortunate that like on top of like showing up so prepared, we have these other people that just sort of propel your bullshit into like this upper echelon of something really good. Yeah,
3: I think it's we wanted the record to oh, be. Uh, I think we wanted the record to be not underproduced, not overproduced. I think it. We wanted it to sound. Just like how we sound in our rehearsal space or on off like the cutting room floor there i I don't think we wanted to dress it up like at all if possible so i just wanted it to be kind of like shot out of a cannon mixed really crisp so you can hear even like the the shuffling of our feet in between fucking like guitar breaks stuff like that just (laughs) all like live in the room just like if you were like standing in the middle of the the three of us and we were playing directly to you fucking serenading you
0: Yeah, that's cool. I love the mix, man. I mean, it does sound like that. It's not over polished. It doesn't sound like it's over or over produced. It does still have that raw tone to it, but like not in like it's just some dirty way where you're going to lose things. I mean, you can just hear everything really well. Yeah. So I think you nailed it.
3: The Arthur frame, of, the frame it.
2: of reference for Arthur was, was can you do something in between Manor and Planetary? Because Manor is mm-hmm. very raw and rough around the edges and just rip your face off and then planetary was pretty produced sounding it's pretty compressed um i mean i love the way the planetary sounds for those songs but that is like probably the cleanest most produced of a record i'll ever be on as far as the sound like that thing is like Hmm. tight right so this was like well let's get a bit of the liveliness back but you know it's not like manner where it's like i can hear my pick (laughs) <laughs> you know, scraping the manners is raw, man. It's super raw, uh, but yeah, so in between it was, it was a good, was a good place for us. I think so. Cause everything pops nice. And yeah, Sean is such a pro. Sean is the fucking man. I love him to death. Um, he got such good sounds for us. He's so easy to work with. Um, you so know, nice. every facet of working with him is awesome. So, he, you know he knows what he's doing and once we're tight so we're good he gets to the drums and guitars sounding good it's like we already have a solid foundation and then we can just put everything on top and we're golden so yeah um it's, we showed up prepared, and you know he's always given us great results so it was like you know it was equation for success
0: yeah yeah what about uh i mean do you th- what do you think people are going to think about it do you think people are, are the fans are ready for i think they're going to be like this is too much or this is just what i wanted
2: just big, going off big you know things coming y'all ain't ready <laughs> <laughs> Watch this space, etc uh i think people are going to be really surprised by the uh yeah, sorry to lead it off but uh, i think we we're going to be really surprised by the um the lack of notice and uh yeah. like it's just like okay here it is it's uh yeah by the time this is out the record will be out but the plan has been for quite some time to announce the record on a monday have it out on a friday um and i think that was kind of an organic thing that came out of uh and this is where we get back to the tapes having two of the songs in the lp when planetary uh you know i think planetary is a cool record in its own right where it's like pretty solid Solid record that feels kind of like a one big song, I think, the way it flows. It flows great, but the issue was uh, the song Planetary clairvoyance, The Growing side Part Two, and Cerulean were released on tape. When we announced Planetary, we had quite a long album cycle. So Infinite Resurrection came out. Then um, Accelerative Phenomenae came out. So the day the record dropped, people had Beg for Life, which was like a probably six minute song. Mm-hmm. Um, Accelerative. No, not accelerated, it's a, uh, Just a Heat fos- Death. Phosphor oh, Ultimate. Oh, Phosphor
1: and Ultimate, yeah.
2: So it's like, it's not an interlude, it's a song, but it's instrumental. And then Heat Death, which is predominantly instrumental. So it's not that people were disappointed, I don't think that at all, but it felt like there was less meat on the bone for like, like new stuff. And yes, they had heard new versions of Cerulean and uh, Planetary, but um, yeah, when it came to this one, I was like, boy, I really hope we can just Put out one single. Dave was like, "Why don't we put out no singles? <laughs> uh, perfect." So yeah, I, I think people will. Uh, I think people will like it. It's a departure, but I think anyone that likes the band will enjoy it. Um, I don't think it's too much of a departure that people would be like, "Oh, the thing I love about mold is gone." And uh, I also don't think it's too wacky that people are going to feel put off by it. I think it. I think it's a nice logical step. I think some people like it more like um you know I think I think people will be cool with it and you know if they're not it's all good you know? you know what do you guys think um I don't know
1: I I I uh I don't I don't know if I care I just like I I love it so uh that's all that matters to me It's yeah. like I I guess um I think I think it's a I think for anyone who gives it an honest chance, I think it's a super rewarding listen. I think if you like the band, um, I think there's no reason why you can't like it. It's just, it's an even better display of like what makes Tumult Tumult, which is, us in the band and everybody is so on display in such good and unique ways and everyone has a voice and everyone's voice is heard and it feels like and to me it just it really feels like the first Tumult record. And I don't mean primordial, I just mean like the first real Tumult record. <laughs> it felt way more collaborative. It was fun. We had all this, I don't know, it just felt like better input. I was so happy that Max wrote all the lyrics. It was just this common, this theme runs through the whole thing. It just feels so complete. It just feels like and I love those other records cuz like to me like when I think about me and Max making Primordial it's like I don't know how the fuck we did it like I don't know how we wrote <laughs> those songs like we did not know what we were doing no. or Max had a better idea cuz he has more chops than I but it was like you know we get an uh, email from Blood Harvest do you want to make an LP and I was like
4: oh, okay okay <laughs> I like, guess
1: I guess we have to write an LP and it's like yeah. and you know like we it's so funny thinking about that record where we're like, we do drums and one of the guitars at boxcar. And we're like, Sean's like, I'll let you come do it at night. So I'll give you a bit of a, like a price break. And then Max is like, we'll do the rest in my basement and I'll record it. I'm like, cool. And then it's like, okay, I got to do second guitar. Well, what do you have? A
0: Fender Telecaster. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. It's just what you
4: have. That's
0: that's That's the core of it is what, what is lacking from records is
3: more often than not the, the identifiable quality that people enjoy it's just like if a band's got a fucking weird tone that's why i fucking rules. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. a band's got like a a snare that sounds like a fucking tin can that's why they fucking rule if fro- yeah. vocalist sounds like a frog that's why they fucking <laughs> rule it's just but- you have to really what is like nuanced often is produced out of like a- either out of necessity or by accident or yeah. out of um like almost incompetence and that's what i what I, it's it's chance and that's what i really liked about the band in that era too and that's why i also thought at the same time that this is really a, a fresh slate for the band it is really like a record that creates a canon that Mold now has where the other ones i feel like we still were thinking about like our performative selves and people viewing ourselves. And because we had nothing at stake, we were like this band, people don't even know we're fucking doing anything. They think we're broken up. They think we're done forever. So <laughs> really it does not matter. So we don't have to worry about having like a fucking great night at a show. We don't have to worry about like, like our, our performance itself. We want it to be a, a, a standalone body of music that will like stand the test of time. Like what Payson said before, I don't care about a show. I want I want the band as like a spiritual body to maintain itself forever because we cared about it that much and we put our whole selves in it and I want to draw strength from that. I don't want to be like, man. I hope the show will be cool. I want (laughs) to be like, I want I want to feel like three people or four people combined into one fucking mega fucking dude. that just
4: fucking (laughs) mega (laughs) dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh my god! But
1: it's but it's like yeah, but like the I think what's fun is like, and I think that like I think the charm of the record to me like the charm of the entire band is like sort of like it was like a learning on the job process.
4: Hmm.
1: But then this record is like I think we finally figured out how to do the thing Mm -hmm. like for Mm -hmm. real, Mm -hmm. and that's cool. Like it's so it's so crazy. Like I don't know. Like we all played in bands together before, but I never thought, I don't think we ever thought we'd be doing anything of like this sort of magnitude with each other. But that's like, Mm -hmm. to me, like when I listen to the record, I just hear like three best friends playing music with each other. To me, that's the best part. Like the, the the journey, the creation and the process It Mm -hmm. to me, like, And it was hard, man. And it was great. Like it fucking ruled, but, uh, and no one can take Mm -hmm. that away, whether they hate the record or not, right? Like that's mine or that's ours. Like Mm -hmm. fuck that. Like it's, we got that. I want to draw
3: strength from that sort of continuity. I want, I want that to be like my well that will never dry. I want, I want it to be a continuing source where the band is not an expectation. It is what we want it to be, whatever we are feeling it could be that and it be it, and it's not there's no stake because it is us you know people don't expect things from us because we have created a body of work that stands by itself no no um cult of personality you know i i, I think the band is is, is mold. that's it you know if that's that's, yeah, how, that's doing, how we'll be we put to death that's how it lived
2: and do, doing what you want always guarantees sincerity as well because it's not hey people might like if we do this people might like if we do that it's like well we like it it's sincere like and there's nothing on this record that's there's no like hey we need it hey we need more fast songs let's write song two and five like we we gotta do that we need the radio hit you know it's like no we <laughs> wrote the shit we liked we played it the way we liked we worked on it together we added stuff we you know we just built it together so yeah it it uh you know, and yeah, you know, like Max said, like, you know, shows are wicked, but I'm going to have dementia someday and I'm going to forget I ever played a show, but you can show me, you can show me the record and be like, you played on this. And I'll be like, Oh, wow. That's great.
1: You'll, they'll show you the record and you'll say mega dude.
2: Yeah, I was the mega dude on this. Yeah, when I, but what, you know, and it's, you know, seriously, when we're gone, the, the records will still be here. So it's yeah. like, uh you know speaking of mortality like we were earlier it's like i want to leave some stuff with my name on it that i'm proud of so you know this is kind of like yeah you know and that, that helps us feel good about it because no matter what happens now it's like well it's done you know it's pressed it's it will be out in the world you know awesome cool and then we'll figure out what's next right but you know plus yeah well, this record is larger in scope so it's no wonder that it took four years versus The other records it doesn't mean it's better or worse or whatever it's just a different beast so it required a certain degree of care that we couldn't have you know given it in just a year if we had made this record in a year it would sound like a demo for sure and it Mm -hmm. wouldn't have all the cool bells and whistles that make it so fun and engaging so um yeah, but there's no Telecaster on it. So <laughs> those all that that contingency of death metal fans in 2017. That's why Tumult took off because you know there was probably some Facebook group that's like, like a bunch of dudes are like, I am fucking sick to death of no Telecaster. <laughs> <laughs> and Primordial came out. They were just like, I was like, hold my, my beer.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <got this>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I, just as an outsider perspective, I feel like, I mean, that's something I always like from Tumo is that each album you're getting a completely different, you know, it's always Tumo, but there's always a change and there's always a different sound and it always sounds different than a lot of the other stuff you're hearing in the, in the death metal world. That's
4: awesome. And so
0: it's just like the most, it's not surprising to me. I was surprised by some of the stuff that was on it, but in a way that's like, oh, that makes sense. Like, they're going here now. You know, like, other buddies kind of doing that. They're going here. They're going their own way. Like, doesn't sound like an album that anyone else could have put out. You know what I mean? And uh, so I think, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I can't see too many people not enjoying it. But it's just, it's like, plus you had the, uh, the demo that is a little bit of a bridge. You know, you guys opened it up on that one a little bit I mean I saw so many people that love that one and a lot of people that were like you know what this is the first thing I've even really loved from two So I just feel like yeah a lot of people that are gonna come on board on this one is just gonna I mean
2: it's gonna be crazy yeah I had a guy message me I think he must have been European but he was like uh, he was like yeah yeah I, I like this like you guys stuck until this came out I was like great Thank you. i, I do like thinking. that though we made i can appreciate the honesty in a way but in another way i wanted to be like we made it for you like i was tired of your shitty reviews of us on rate your music we had an emergency meeting and we said we gotta do something for this guy in holland man <sighs> yeah i guess yeah. we
1: never we never think about like who we are like yeah like we don't have we don't ever talk about like who is this record for or anything like that right like oh could you imagine doing that could you imagine mm-hmm. like <laughs> all getting together and be like all right who what fans are we going to try to yeah. appeal to with this record
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it's nice too because this record is definitely a bit more guitar-centric but it's not like wank either like derek and i both love you know and and max of course
4: we love course. we all love a lot of we wank.
2: all love yeah. wanky guitar stuff but it's mm-hmm. kind of nice because i feel like we have you know our 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 you know we dip our toe in a little where it's like we're pushing ourselves but it's not just like well here's some big solo and then two seconds of lyrics and then another big solo <laughs> it's like we're having fun but there it's just another element of the band so It's not, it's not um, Rust in Peace song about yeah. comic, guitar solo guitar solo yeah. guitar solo It's interesting it's interesting you, you <laughs> mention Rust in Peace because like um I was like 12 when Megadeth put out Risk and that's not a very Your favorite very Megadeth record <laughs> my all time favorite <laughs> It's not very it's not very fondly remembered and I was a huge Megadeth fan and I I didn't like it and then I didn't like cryptic writings either. And I thought Youth in Asia only had a couple of good songs. So basically, I was of the mindset at fourteen, why can't you go back and do this? And I remember reading an interview with Dave Mustaine, and I had a degree of respect after. I was like, that's cool. Where he was like, look, I could write Rust in Peace again. Like I could do it, but it would just be this hollow imitation of something I already did. Like. It was a moment. We did it. We love it, and we continued to grow as a band. And you know, if you don't like our new records, it's too bad for you. Um, and you know, I respected that because Megadeth could have done six, you know, pale, hollow imitations of "Rest in Peace" and just kept cash and checks. Um, and yeah, I, I didn't love the records, but I respected the artistic attitude towards like, we are changing. We moved on. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and he can go back and say that the "Crush" and it's the worst song ever, and he's kind of right. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like you know, it, it's cool. It's cool to to try something different, and as long as you like it and you have faith in it, and you, you know it's something you're driven to create, it's like, well, it can't be bad then. It's coming from somewhere pure. So that's what I tell myself to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, 100%. <laughs> For sure. You
0: guys ever had, that's funny, I just thought like a lot of times it happens to me where I'm like, not that you made you like the, that Megadeth album more, but sometimes it takes like an interview that I'm reading or listening to or whatever, where I'll, it'll just make me rethink an album, you know, like I oh, get their backstory cool. of it. For sure. Yeah, and I'm like, I didn't really like it. And now I'm like, now I'm invested in it and I'm like coming around to it. That's, I think that's why I like doing interviews sometimes, but it happens to me all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, albums are very personal and there's so much of of the artist in them. So, and it's so easy. Like, we all consume music at this voracious pace. So, sometimes I think we forget, you know, artists or just listeners or whoever. It's so easy to hear something be like, sucks, Mm
4: -hmm. you know, and then
2: move on. But it's like, you know, it's like that meme where it's like the crying guy and it's like someone listening to an album I made through an iPhone speaker and they're only going to listen to like 10 seconds of it. And I spent five years on it. It's like, yeah, I can totally relate to that for sure. But I know what you mean. You know, there's been, there's been records. Yeah. I've at least given, you know, a second thought or consideration to go back and check out or whatever. Cause sometimes artists throw you curveballs. You tell you that, Oh yeah, my favorite record is whatever. And you're just like, Whoa, really? You know, like fret being like, Oh yeah, I really love like beat. I'm really happy with beat. It's like, that's not in my top five crimson records. So, <laughs> And I loved him as an artist, so I go back and check it out and see what he's talking about. So, yeah.
0: What uh, off topic from the album, but just since I'm, I haven't talked to the, to the other the other two of you guys, but what um, music wise for what you guys listen to, what are your guys' like similarities? Like, where do you guys uh, I and mean, where do you guys differ? Like, what's some stuff that each of you are like? Yeah, I like this, but <laughs> that's kind of your own thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Go ahead, Derek. No, you first. You first. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, I like a lot of music. I'm easily impressed. We I'll we all do. <laughs> <but> yeah, early <laughs> obsess is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think we all like anything. Uh, oh, we have a, we like a lot of sort of like more fringed genres together. Like we have all. I feel like we like the what we would maybe see like the best of everything. We find things we like in genre and, and we really gravitate towards it. Mm-hmm. We can always talk about that regardless of genre. Um, you know, we all love things that are technical. We all love things that involve, you know, a certain degree of skill to play the instrument, especially from an artistic standpoint, something that's not just Wang, you know, when you have uh, someone who really has sort of like a philosophy behind their art, but they're also very skilled. Like when you listen to Miles Davis talk about, you know, playing music and it's just like, whoa, this guy is on a totally <laughs> other level. Um, <laughs> stuff like that's great. But, um yeah for differing like i love a lot of uh pop music um i love anything with really strong melody so you know Hmm. like a lot of like j-pop and k-pop and stuff um anything that can get in my head and and i like uh i have glasses and a beard so i like radiohead a lot (laughs) and uh, (laughs) and and stuff like that you know the stuff i grew up on is, is always my favorites but um I'm trying to think. What else do I listen to, guys? I listen to music. Listen well, to music. yeah, you listen to city pop. Yeah. You love, yeah, I like you a love- lot of j- Japanese fusion funk stuff. Yeah, yeah, you love, you love, um, uh, you love pop music for sure. Yeah, I lo- yeah, I love, uh, I love all that stuff. I love bands like Perfume from Japan. Um, oh. I love Bandmade from Japan. Bandmade had a lot of influence on how I wrote my solos on this record. Um, they're like uh, kind of like an alt rock Japanese band and uh you can see the the progression of them getting much better at their instruments as the records go on and seeing how much their guitar player konami has improved um it kind of drove me where i was like well she is a beast now she's so good and her solos are so good and so catchy so um yeah that was one i listened to a lot it definitely had a lot to do with the way i wrote on this record and uh yeah we all like hardcore and punk and metal and Yeah, we like a lot of the same stuff. We never, like, argue about it in the car or anything. We'll just put on whatever. Sometimes it's Michael McDonald. Sometimes it's Stars of the Lid. (laughs) So, yeah, all over the place. I'm trying to think
3: if there's any sort of, like... There were a few people that I really obsessed over for a while leading up to the recording of this record. Um, Two drummers in particular that I've referenced in two interviews now. um, Chris Corsano and Ted Burns both solo, um, Ted Burns, more of a solo percussionist and Chris Crisano often performing with, you know, people like Bill Orkut and a few others. Um, but, uh, I thought a lot about like really expressive playing really like intense, intense dynamic drumming a lot, like way more than I think I ever had. I think prior to this, I was really still mostly, I looked to people like Bruford, and really classic prog rock kind of stalwart drum gods as people that I really admired. And now I think more people who have, who have become so good at their instrument that what they're playing to like like a casual listener or someone just hearing it for the first time would sound like, it would sound like nothing. It would sound like just texture rather than any sort of sticking or practice pattern or any sort of like phrase. And I really found that to be like a big, inspiring part of of, uh, of at least my playing on this record. I think there was definitely several, several, several moments when we were recording and writing and practicing where I was like, I can't play drums anymore. I have, I have reached a breaking point. I cannot physically do it mentally. And I think hearing people like that provided so much encouragement that I need to stop overanalyzing what I'm doing and really... Think of think of my playing more as a, a as an expression rather than just a, a a an execution, you know, where I'm just playing the same parts that I've thought of for, you know, however many years prior. But a lot, a That's lot. Funny yeah.
0: you say that. Not to cut you off, but I had that written down just when I was going like track by track, making notes on and stuff, and like. I'm not a drummer, so I hate to comment on drums much because I just don't know anything about it, but the the word you're using there, like just that expressive playing like and the intensity, the way that you kind of like combine that both, it's just like what I was saying about the bass, like adding that extra thing it's just like I'm not being a drummer, but I find myself like tuning into that sometimes because it's just like I'll be carrying like an intense the intensity of a part, and I just think that's pretty pretty oh, badass. I, I, I
3: really
2: drums are me. crazy he's it's always crazy. been he's yeah. always
1: the star of the band every time we go anywhere they're like yo your drummer's crazy and i'm like i know and they're like how does he do that and i'm like you should go ask him because i don't know how he does it and he it's just awesome. gets better yeah. and this record's so stupid man His drumming so good yeah, and we were practicing awesome and he did the vocals with it, and I was like, that's fucked up. I was like, I was loving life,
2: man, <laughs> yeah. watching that. It's, <laughs> it's wild to stand on the edge of the stage when we're playing somewhere we've never played before, and, like, we play the first two notes, and Max is like...
4: <laughs> like, I'm, I'm
2: like i'm like scanning the crowd and there's like people like elbowing their friend like like you can see us set up and people are like looking for the singer and then it's like oh whoa, what mm. it's awesome man it's, I, or they're also like why do these guys have short hair that's it yeah that's it i don't
0: know i i
3: i think i think maybe but i think the there there were some definitely some moments where I felt like at my, at my lowest when it came to like my performance ability. And I think that is what I I think coming out of this record, I, I learned that that's, that's fine. It sh- I shouldn't care because I will never have like a perfect, you know, performance. I just want it to be me. I want it to be a- a- everything that I'm about in a performance like that. Like, I think there's, um, there's a really great interview with Tony Williams where he talks about workshopping solos and and his how he structures solos and how he doesn't really plan them but like softballs ideas and introduces them and kind of walks him walks people through a solo that he that he had done in like i think it's it's some late 80 80s period where he had his really iconic like big yellow kit with like three floor tops and you can see him like indulging himself on these phrases and he's, he's you can tell that he's not there he doesn't really know exactly what he's doing but you're watching that process and you're seeing him refine each subsequent like grouping until it becomes something that's new and then and then solidified and then another theme is introduced from there and i I really liked that sort of playing where it was like methodical but it was to it was to build tension to this point where you're like fuck finally I've, i've got it i understand what i'm
2: doing now i get it um it's so funny mm -hmm. you say that because you're talking about tony williams one of the greats Mm -hmm. and how many times of practice are we working on a song that's five and a half six minutes Mm -hmm. and we've played it 20 times leading up to then and then we get to a part you know and derek and i lock in and all of a sudden you do something completely different or you start or you switch and we all look at each other and we can't talk we're in a room Mm -hmm. that's like hundreds of decibels but we know (laughs) right away Mm -hmm. right away it's like Mm you find your footing or you change something or it's an eight part and the next four like you can see the gears turn and i mm -hmm. can tell when you do something you like and i can tell when you do something you don't like and Mm -hmm. it's like the evolution of the song and it's pretty cool because you know we get to watch it in real time but without any real dialogue it's all based on the interaction we're having together Mm -hmm. and then derek and i you can see there's some practices where i'm there after work i'm dead I'm sweaty. I'm sitting on a busted-ass drum throne playing the songs. And then Max is like a part that he's doing, all of a sudden it's quarter time, but there's the hi-hats going double time or something. And I get right up. I'm like, stoked. Derek and I are looking. At <laughs> how, can, how can we work with this? How can we play to this part that Max is doing now? And all of a sudden it's like the room is just alive again. It's awesome. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. It's just funny that you say that about Tony Williams because it's almost like you're describing something that happens – really organically of practice. When you take the skeleton of the song and you just reshape it and all of yeah. a sudden we have something to work with. And yeah, days where I'm ready to conk out, I'm all of a sudden like, fuck, let's go. Let's do that again. Well, let's not forget that. Somebody fucking film it. Yeah. Yes, grab yes, a phone. Grab a write, phone. It, <laughs> right, let me write it on my snare drum. Right yeah. That, <laughs> that happened know? a lot. And it's, uh, it's always, those are the coolest moments of practice for sure.
3: I think that really. kind of really not being afraid to, to try stuff. I just, it's a, it's that's what's most fun about playing music with the people you've always played with is that there's there, there are no stakes. It's just whatever you feel is right, you know. And I, and the, the most impressive drummers are always the people that just go for it. You know, I, I, I can watch, you know, it's sick watching a fucking triggered up fucking hyper blaster. But if I see Ted Burns play on a kit with two Perrier bottles, I'm like, that's fucking drums. That's drums. <laughs> I don't care about anything else. That's drums to me. I want. I don't want to see someone play like on on barrels, you know. I, I or like um, there's a really uh, great. I don't want to say ambient artist, but more of like a, a field recording artist, um, Jeff German, and he does a lot of very focused, very detailed, close sounds of found objects and playing them and ex- and using them as instruments like that. And I thought a lot about how I can apply that kind of thought process to the kit, which I don't know if it's really something that's very clear in my, in my plane, but it's something that I think helped me at least find other ways to sort of voice the kit where I'm not just doing the same fucking fills, same accents, you know, and th- there's, there's people that have, uh, that have done that over the years. And those have always been people who I find really, really encouraging, you know, like fucking watching jerek roddy videos on fucking sick where he's like yeah i i'm in i'm in a band i do a lot of fucking blasting but here's my fucking thing i swing on the blast on the um, with my right hand rather than just blasting through 16th notes and you're just like what the fuck that's who else would think of that it's it's and it completely broke my brain seeing that as a kid like totally broke my brain and i still i still think about that stuff now and i, I think about you know bruford playing with like whatever sort of implement new electronic piece of gear, weird mount setup, whatever that could, whatever can change his kind of drum, like language lexicon, like his, 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 his tools that he is using. Like I, prior to this, every single band that i had ever been in with Payson, with Derek, with anybody else, I always played on the same kit, the exact same setup. I never did anything different. And the only difference was like, I would have a second crash rather than just one. (laughs) And I bought a new kit and I was like, I need to, I need to figure out how to play differently. I need to, like, I need to upset myself. I need to completely break myself down in order to do something different. Like I had to, it's like, it's like after you finish recording something or you documenting something, you kind of submit it into the ether and then fucking delete everything else. Hard reset. I don't want to think about it. I need to. I'm not the same person I was when we started the band, so I shouldn't be playing the same way. I've got to change. But, and ran. <laughs> more, <laughs> more cymbals, too. Yes, lots more cymbals.
1: More cymbals. Two hats. Two, two, two high tom, hats. Two rack toms. Two rack toms. Crazy.
3: Yeah.
4: Crazy. crazy.
3: Crazy. New it's, snare. Yeah, yeah new, new snare. gear. I had, yeah. the, the, up, and, up until <laughs> last year, I had been playing with the same double pedals since I was, I think, 13 <laughs> my parents bought them for me. They were they were PDP dual chain drive double pedals. Uh, I played them literally until last year, and they were literally. they were dead. Everything broke apart. Like the um, wow. the clamp system that would hold the pedal to the hoop of my bass drum has like a huge crevice out of it because the cam and, ch- and linkage for the pedal was so lax. It was so old that it was basically slamming into the bottom of the pedal every time I played it. And uh, and then when I got my new pedal, I like crumbled, <laughs> like I I like disintegrated because I was having such a hard fucking time. It was so difficult. But again, it was it was I I'm happy that I did it because I feel better now. But for a few months, it was grim,
1: <laughs> so grim. Oh whatever, we got through it, man.
0: We did, we did. <laughs>
1: now there's no now there's but now there's no looking back. Don't you feel like after you like make the record, you're like. I'm good.
3: Yeah. Like, well, I know I can do it. There's well, no excuse. Well, kind of, but then I'm like, oh man, this record sounds so fucking good. Time to relearn it with vocals. <laughs> 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 time to do it for the first time. Like we're this, this at the time of recording is it's September 7th and we're playing our first show with new material on the next week, like in a week and a day. And that will be the first time mm-hmm. we've played these songs, uh, live. Um, and I think that we practice them with vocals for the second time on Monday. First, first, time? Time. First,
1: uh, time. first time. First time, new songs. First time.
3: Yes. So
0: that's. So are you guys playing this stuff before anyone's heard it?
2: No. Or is it the show after? Yeah. Oh. No, it's on release date. We'll be playing three of the songs. from oh, you LP oh. gotcha. On the 15th. And then the next day we'll play probably the same set list. Unless it's received really poorly, in which case we'll play a five-song set in Montreal. Uh, <laughs> and if people don't like it, they can fuck off. <laughs> now, now we'll we'll play those songs, and uh, they're still fresh enough that I think it's pretty good, and they sounded really cool. So, but it's going to be really fun to play them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be more fun when we play them when people are fully soaked in the record. But mm-hmm. for anyone that doesn't have a minute to listen to the new LP on release date, it's going to be wicked to play will of whispers and just see so many confounded looks <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that'll be that'll be fun yeah, he's not um, gonna that we're
2: gonna do a rush cover that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: i guess when yeah as far as listening habits yeah we all kind of like the same like especially with like a, not, a, not an extreme metal in general but death metal we all definitely like mostly the same stuff Max gets way more into like the black metal than Payson or I. He's sort of like, um, he's much more on it in general, I think, than me or Payson. I think like, well, Mm -hmm. with me, like, I'll just listen to the same Bruce Hornsby record for like three months straight or just like (laughs) insert, you know, three fish concerts or like something like that. My taste, I, I barely change it up. But when we were, when I wrote the songs, it's funny because you, you asked earlier, like, what would the songs have sounded like if you tried to record them in 2020 and it's like, well, I have videos of me playing the songs horribly in 2020. Mm. Like, mm. um, so I could tell you they would have sounded like shit, but <laughs> I remember when we wrote, when I started writing those songs, it was yeah. Like spring, summer of 2020. And I was, was really obsessed with, I finally started to like the album symbolic by, by death. I don't know why I had it in my head that. I, I shouldn't like that record. I just didn't, you know, his vocals. I don't really like his vocals on it. Now I'm like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more, uh, I, I, I like them now. Okay. But, um, there's such a, there's such a pop thread that runs through that record in like oh, yeah. such a tasteful way. And I got really back into running and stuff. And that was such a great record to listen to while it was running that. And like, Unquestionable presence by atheists. Another bright-sounding record with interesting parts. Now they are much more skilled than I at writing, so doesn't. I'm not saying we sound like atheists because we don't, but uh, we do a good job at what we do, though. But like, just these like bright, exciting records that like kind of you catch on your toes and didn't dwell too hard on, or like, didn't dwell too long on stuff. I think also probably like I was working on Dream on Ending, which is like more of a dwelling band. That I was like, well, I don't want to dwell in. In this, like, this is going to be like thing after thing after thing after thing. And, and then, like, yeah, like some of the more like cool, like technical thrash stuff, like Oblivion and whatnot, like just like these cool angular single note riffs. And uh, obviously, like, obviously, like <laughs> Trace Than Air. Like, who? Are what? Kidding? Are you serious? <laughs> you like Trace Than Air? I, 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 had, I, had, I had no idea. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's totally fucked, man.
1: <laughs> so like i and like you know like definitely like um listening to those records like was just like a great and also like some new stuff like that that swevin record uh, was it called eternal resonance like that mm-hmm. was such a cool record and i thought it was really like there's just no other another metal band like that sounded like that to me right and i think we i think like i mean max definitely like enjoyed that record a lot mm-hmm. and a record for me that I thought was such an inspiring contemporary record was, um, four dimensional flesh by afterbirth. Like, Oh yeah. I heard that record and it like, I just freaked the fuck out. Like, I just thought it was so sick. I like wrote to like Cody from that band and I was like, I love this so much. And, and their new, their new record is also sick. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. so good, but it was like, uh, I thought like just, um, I thought the riffs were great. I thought the use of like clean sections was good. And even like some of the more like clean atmospheric stuff over the heavy riffs, I thought was so cool. Big time. Um, and I was just like, I want to write like that. And then when we started really getting into the meat of the record, like as far as like solo writing, well, I just love Steve Lukather from Toto. And I, and I would hmm. love that Summerlands record that came out. Cause like Justin sent it to me early and I, I, sh- I showed, the mates, too, and I was like, it was just, I thought it was so good. We I think
0: we all did. It's still in my goddamn CD
2: player in Dude, my car. It's, awesome. it's just like the it's one awesome. that hasn't come yeah. out yet.
1: <laughs> and it's like, and i I love the solos on that i was like that sounds like so much fun like i want to play like that and it was Mm. i think it was like you know these were like brighter songs i wanted to write brighter solos i wanted them to be kind of exciting and like it's not very evil it's way more melodic i think this album has more of a of an apparent like emotional weight to the sound which i really like and i really like that we leaned into it and i think when i read the lyrics i lean into it uh they lean into it and like it's like so it's all this like all these things and more like kind of uh, all working in concert with each other, but it was so fun. It was so fun to write solos for that record for sure. And like, it was kind of like anytime I was like, I want to play a lead in record. I was like, you have to do one too to payson. It was like, you have to, you have to play one. And it was great. Cause then you get such a, you get such a flavor wheel. Like it's so, it's so varied, uh, especially with, like, all the modulation, like, Payson used. Like, he leaned into it way more than I do. I use, like, a harmonizer on sometimes, but they all just sound like a clown screaming, and it's, like, Payson's are <laughs> way more nuanced than mine. But, yeah, it's good. It was fun. I like that record. But, yeah.
4: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, reckon, n- I like that record. That's I like cool. record.
1: <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> <laughs> You, know,
4: you um, know when you're talking
1: right. and then you're like, I'm kind of done my thought, but I don't know how to conclude my thought. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's why I like Max's. It's just like N right oh, yeah, That's, That's good. That's good. Like story. That. I'm
3: sticking to it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, since we're on about, we're over an hour and a half. Um, probably wrap it up. What, is there anything that we, uh, about the new album that we didn't dive into that, like we should touch on before we before we do?
1: The artwork.
3: Oh, uh, yes.
0: For sure, yeah. for sure. Artwork. Forgot
3: about yeah. that. Is I was just pressing like a forgot? blank, like dub twelve-inch. It's a plain DJ sleeve. <laughs> it's <laughs> a double sticker. Yeah. Yeah. The
4: artwork.
0: Yeah. Out. What's the, the story with that? Who did it, and what was the idea behind that? Uh, did you guys come up with
3: that concept, or we we um Jesse Jacoby did it. He did the cover for Planetary Clairvoyance. Um, it was kind of a, a long process to figure out the art for this. We were really trying to figure out sort of like a curveball, but, um, we just, it just ended up, we just wanted to work with somebody who, just like, um, just like we have a relationship with Sean at Boxcar, we wanted someone who is invested in like the, and the yeah. vision of the band and is a friend, most importantly, that would, you know, Put their time and their love into something as much as as much as we did and jesse was like a a no-brainer and his style had changed and were really it was even more refined than it was at the point of planetary clairvoyance so once we saw his recent kind of posts and the work he had done on that game norco we were like jesse has to do it he he just has to it's it's a must and it's going to be sick and we're gonna tell him to do it extremely fast, and we're gonna ruin his life a bit. <laughs> yeah, but that's because <laughs> he had to suffer hard. just like we did. Exactly, that's what that's what happens. It's
2: sometimes you gotta yeah, suffer for your heart. just the way it goes. We did him a favor, I think. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he's a better person now because of it. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it it's like saw. It's like saw. Uh, live or die.
3: <laughs> but he, um, when we we talked for like hours on the phone about what sort of what sort of concepts we wanted to include on the album, because again, I wrote things very, in a pretty vague way. And I wanted to, him to just kind of interpret it as is. But I knew I wanted it to have tangible figures. I didn't want it to be a very sort of um, impressionist painting, like something abstract. I wanted it to be kind of a literal interpretation of some of the themes. And once I gave him some some reference material, I scanned a bunch of, uh, of, of B-Club old um, newsletters with these insane... Drawings from like the preliminary, uh, um, development periods for shows like by, for Five Star Stories where it's crazy kind of like half mechanical, half organic um, figures, but they're all really visceral and they're all all tied together kind of in one image. And we just kind of talked about that stuff. I sent him a bunch of like old clamp art where they were so detailed that it just looks like a fucking complete mess, and it was just like, this is. It needs to be triumphant. It needs to be uplifting in a very odd way. It's got to be sort of unsettling at the same time, and uh, and he kind of ran with it. And once we, gave, we got like a little sketch, we were like, "That's it, yeah, cool, just do it, mm-hmm. man." We don't,
2: we have no other notes other than this is sick. Keep, going. yeah. I think, <laughs> I, think I had one note. I had one note. I was like, "Can you, can you make this? Can you make this? Put some teal in there, Seafoam? <laughs> the mm-hmm. foam." Mm-hmm. That was it. But Jesse is an artist, like you got artists who you commission a piece from and you tell them exactly what you want and they show it to you and say, is this it? And you say, it's great except for this. And they say, okay. And they change it. Those, and then you have artists who put their own spin on everything. Everything Jesse does has meaning. Like he's not just, that's what's really good about it. Cause it's a, it, there's a certain heft. Have- to his his work and you can tell when you look at them but it's not like oh i drew some little dudes because I felt like it or these guys asked me to put this thing on it it's like when you talk to him you know he he's he's got a vision for sure it's clear he's got a vision and you don't necessarily know what you're going to get but like um yeah as it went on he was explaining everything he was doing and adding and refining and you know he nailed it like he just was on the exact same wavelength as us and fortunately you know which was great but yeah he's an artist where things mean stuff it's not just yeah the guys wanted this so i just did it it's like there's yeah there's a certain gravitas to it for sure and yeah we're all super happy with it i remember when we saw the first yeah like here's what it's gonna look like i was like holy fucking shit like i love planetary but it's very dark and on the cd and lp jacket if you're not in a well-lit room it's it's hard to see and it's that's fine that's great but i love how expressive this one is and just emotive and foreign and just exotic like it's you know i could just
0: well it fits the sound too. It I really mean, like, fits the those sound. Those are all yeah, the same kind like, of things for the sound.
2: Absolutely. It's like a glove on the record. Like uh, anything else just wouldn't have clicked. I can't even describe what it is about it that works so well, but it's got this kind of broad spectrum of I don't know. I don't know. He just we just love it, you know. He's he's awesome and he's easy to work with and Arthur is easy to work with and Sean is easy to work with. And Dave is easy to work with. And we're super blessed and fortunate that we work with these people regularly. And, uh, you know, we're able to come up with a product we all love. There, there's no holes in it. We feel awesome about it. And yeah, you know, it's this effort of all these people that, that really makes it work. And then, yeah, like I said, it's the same wavelength. Like these guys understand what we want and they feel the same. i I genuinely believe that. So, um, yeah, it was nice to, to speak to Arthur about the record and say, what parts did you like? And he's able to just rattle them off. I love this, this, and this. And, you know, I, that means a lot to me because I respect him as an artist, musician, engineer, whatever. Um, you know, so in speaking to Jesse about it when he's not talking about Detroit Red Wings, it's cool to be able to hear his thoughts on it, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's a little aside, but um, yeah, it's, it's nice to have all these people to make this thing that really is this cohesive you know product that we're all really stoked on.
1: Yeah. I remember yeah. even Jesse saying like he was like I'm really excited to do it because he's like I like I really like what I did with planetary. He's like, but I always wanted just like another crack at it at mm-hmm. like an, on an album mm-hmm. cover for you guys. I just feel like mm-hmm. I can outdo myself. And it's like, well, I think we felt like we could outdo ourselves with this record. So like go off King, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like,
3: yeah. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> yeah. It, once he said that it was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a match made in heaven yeah. right now. Yeah. There's really no other, it, there was no other option. It is. Yeah. There's something,
1: I don't know if other people feel this way, but like there's something when you work with people that you like, like respect, love, whatever, you really wanna do right by them, right? Mm -hmm. And then it motivates you. It was like sort of like writing, like even just like drafting these songs to show you guys. It was like, I wanna show them something that will, you know, make them wanna like rise to the occasion like I do, you know what I mean? Like I wanna, it's like, you wanna please them. You know what I mean? It's like when you like, do the dishes before your wife comes home and then maybe she'll be happy with you for the evening you know what i mean like just like maybe. Maybe. baby baby <laughs> big baby <laughs>
4: <laughs> she it'll doesn't be like, usually notice it'll be, notice like, it it'll be not like,
2: it'll
1: like you did the dishes but there's like two guitars right in the middle of the walkway <laughs> like, it's like it's always you, something. <laughs> look you can't win you can't win ever but you can try your best and like you can be bad at most things in life but like maybe there's this one thing you do and then you do it with other people and it's awesome, right? And so it was like, I think like Jesse probably felt this like drive too, to just be like, this is sick and I'm so stoked and I'm going to give them something that's going to blow their minds and he did. Like, I never would have thought of any of that shit, you know what I mean? Like, he's a brilliant guy and it's great.
2: It's, it's so great. He's a brilliant guy. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So anyways. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, no.
1: Yeah, it's good art.
2: Yeah, it's good. It's cool.
0: <laughs> um... Yeah, no, it's awesome. It fits it, it's perfect, it adds to the whole experience. I mean, that's what that's what you want. Is there anything um,
2: is there anything really better than an album you love where you love the art? Like think about Alters of Madness, listening to Alters of Madness, and then just looking at that cover. Like it's it it's just a picture, it's all it is. You know, it's a twelve by twelve picture, but there's something about it that's so magic. Like I think about like the first Black Sabbath album cover in the context of the song Black Sabbath. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's just a rich tapestry. You need it. And it's there. And it's this amazing thing. It's this, like, artifact. Like, look. Look at this amazing cover and the context in which it was made. And he used a Stratocaster on it. That's crazy. Uh, but, you know, a good cover that you can get lost in, like, that's something to be really stoked about. So, like, the record being so massive in scope, it's like, fuck, I'm so glad we have this crazy front cover and back cover for people to just... Hopefully, just stare at when they're listening to the record. Like I'm so stoked about that. Sorry to yeah. cut you off, but yeah, it, yeah I'm No,
0: that. that's exactly what I'm trying to say. I mean, it just call it colors the experience. You know, like it's that's. I mean, for me, that sits in my head when I'm listening to to an album, and so it's, I, I, you know, not that you can't enjoy an album with a with a shitty cover. Obviously, oh, we do do that all the time oh,
4: yeah, too. <laughs> There's so the record I so I'm
2: just like, ah. <laughs> 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 it sucks. But yeah, yeah, it's awesome when they, when they, when they match up and they're, they're really wicked. Yeah, when
0: it all comes together. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, are you guys going to do much touring off this one? I mean, you got the two uh, shows in Canada. Yeah. Got anything like, I mean, you're probably not talking about it yet, but anything like
2: you're planning to do? We've Something like discussed it, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah. I think we're really excited to see how the record's received. And then I think that'll be, you know, that'll sort of dictate where we go and what we do. But yeah, it's certainly something we plan on doing. You know, we have a couple things that are like definitively in the works that I don't think we can mention yet. But like once I'm really curious to see what people think about it. And I think we're all interested in maybe doing some shows that are kind of like unexpected or a little off the beaten path. So we'll see mm. what, uh, we'll see how people react and, and what comes out in the woodworks. And yeah, it'd be great to do some stuff that's because it's our shot to do this stuff. Right. So uh, people, if mm. they want to see it, you know, that's a great thing. And and the nice thing is we've done our headlining tours before with our friends bands, you know, we toured with the feather and bone. We toured with superstition. We toured with horrendous where they, they headlined, but it's just nice to play a show where, it's a $15 show and someone's showing up and spending $15 to see your band. Like, yeah, the venues are smaller, but it's, it's, it's always been really rewarding to be like, yeah, we're playing wherever in mm. DC, you know, our friend Hassan puts on a gig and it's just rammed and we're headlining. Like, I love that, you know, and that's no slag on anybody else for doing touring the way they want. But yeah, that's, I've, I've loved doing headlining tours because of, you know, the audience. Cause you meet so many people that love the music. It's great. So we'll see what, uh, See what comes out in the woodworks, but yeah, should be some cool stuff.
0: Yeah, cool, cool. M- I hope- good.
3: I love playing <laughs> music with my friends. there's <laughs> any take away from this interview? It's it's um, play music with your friends and uh, have fun and and try your damn best.
2: <laughs> try your damn best. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's all. Any that's all. That's all. Best. Expected of you is do your best. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think. I think we've all realized you, you you know, it's so cliche, but you get out what you put into stuff. It just, it is what it is. And I've spoken to people that say, Oh, I want to start this band or I want to start that band or I want to learn an instrument. It's like, do it, but just it. grind it at it. Just, yeah. and don't, you know, mm. you can rush it. You can barely, you can, you can, you know, just scrape your way through a cruddy demo, but do it, like do it and finish it. And mm. you want to get good at something, then do it a lot. You will get good. Like, mm you know, people sitting and it's all context to, you know, how you feel about your own skill. Like people say, Oh, you know, like, uh, I say, you know, Max is an incredible drummer and I hear Max. Say, oh, I wish I could do this or I wish I could do that. But that's just how skill is, you know, well, Derek and I, people, Oh, you guys are so good at guitar. And it's like, man, I feel like a beginner a lot of the time. I really do. So you know, you just, just more... say, just say, no, I'm not. <laughs> Walk yeah. away. No, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> um, Alan Holdsworth uh, was said, um, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And when you really start grinding at something and you're getting into it and you're learning all the shit, it's like, damn. I Would need to live ten lifetimes to learn half the stuff I want to know about this instrument. So,
3: and that's what I really like about that too. Where it's like you know, you know nothing, and you can kind of like be content in knowing nothing. That anything that you see or hear is something new to you, and it can really, at at any moment, your 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 any sort of notion of your instrument or 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 your band structure can be basically rearranged in a second. And that's that sort of uncertainty is really what makes playing together so fun. Is that any at any day it could be completely different. You know, who knows? I could come yeah, up. For with sure. fucking, I could show up next practice with fucking congas With fucking cajon, no bass drum, two cajons.
2: Why not? I expect it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, put the bug. You put the bug in there. Do <laughs> you gonna you have that ready you by the show?
4: It. Uh, yeah. I've got him in my trunk. I've uh, got on my brushes. Got eight days.
3: There we go. There we go. I got
4: my wraparound
2: mic. It's done.
4: Perfect. Yeah, eight
2: days is just like a hundred. That's like a hundred ninety-two hours. First. That's a of time.
0: <laughs> cool. Uh, well, I mean, that seems like a good spot to end it on. I'm inspired. I was inspiring. I'm ready to start a band myself. Dang. Perfect.
2: <laughs> finally, finally, <laughs> new band. Mega dude. Mega, Mega dude. dude. <laughs>
0: Uh, hey. I wrote down that one you guys told earlier I was gonna steal that yes. name. What was it? Uh, <laughs> uh it was Cavernous it.
3: <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, cavernous offerings. Offering. The offering. Offering. Oh, yes. There we go. Yeah. That's our zine. Yeah. I'm transcribing this whole thing right now. It's it's printed. <laughs> it's there.
4: I'm at Staples right now.
0: I'm Xeroxing all of us. Uh. Well, thanks for doing it, guys.
3: Thanks I've been having
4: so much to about this. thanks for having us. That was fun. So, yeah. This is the first Hell time yeah. we've
3: been done uh, in, in an interview like with the three of us since uh, in a long time. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna act cool. as if this is the, if this is the first interview
0: with the full band. It's the first one. It's it exclusive. is. I think
3: it might it's be. In yeah. person, <laughs> it's like in person us talking in concert. It's a. Uh, it's not. But we're gonna act like the other one never happened
0: this is it
3: oh right yeah
0: right i yes. forgot
4: about
1: that one this is the, oh, first, yeah. one. Yes, is the first one yes there you go
2: yeah this is there you go yes. no yeah. more questions
0: asked <laughs> oh
1: boy good stuff
0: <laughs> all right guys <laughs> all right cool good luck uh, next friday oh thank, thank you thanks thanks thank so much
4: you.